We are fast approaching Easter and the celebration of our Lord's resurrection. We just finished a series on worship, and today we're going to look at what are called the I Am statements that Jesus made. They are recorded for us in the book of John, in the Gospel of John. So we'll look at these I am statements of Jesus in the Gospel of John, and these statements give us, they give us insight into the ministry of Jesus to the world. These I am statements not only do that, but they link Jesus to the Old Testament revelation of God and affirm that Jesus is God incarnate. So there are many who believe Jesus is a great teacher, great prophet, a great man, a great example. But Jesus was indeed all of that, but Jesus is much more than that. Jesus is God. He is the God-man. And these seven metaphorical I am statements that Jesus makes that are recorded for us in John's gospel um, reveal that. We're going to look at the first one today, which is the declaration Jesus made, I am the bread of life. When Jesus made an I am statement expressing the attributes of deity, he was identifying himself as God. We have evidence of this, and we're going to look at this as we go through the scripture today. The Jews understood this, and so they sought to kill Jesus. This is one way we know what Jesus was proclaiming about himself, because we can see the reaction of those who heard his declaration. And we're to take these statements, these same statements today, and allow them to bolster our faith in the Lord Jesus and to motivate us to do his will. The first statement that we're going to look at, as I said, is the declaration, I am the bread of life. And Jesus declares this very shortly after he miraculously feeds the 5,000. It's actually more than 5,000. They counted men. They counted households. So Jesus fed, we could safely say, a very large multitude of people. We see this recorded in John chapter 6 in the verses preceding where we're going to be today. But we see this pattern throughout John's gospel as Jesus makes these statements. As he proclaims who he is, he backs it up with what he does. So Jesus didn't just say who he was. He did the things that proved who he is. Our text today is going to be from John chapter 6, and I'm going to read to you here initially the four verses in which Jesus makes this declaration, I am the bread of life. John chapter 6, verse 35, and Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Verse 41. The Jews then complained about him because he said, 
I am the bread of life, which came down from heaven. Verse 48, I am the bread of life. And verse 51, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your gospel. We thank you that you have given us your word and that it is indeed life to us. Father, we ask that you would, by your Holy Spirit, indwelling your people, that you would open the eyes of our understanding, that you would cause our hearts to be ready to receive your word, that that word would renew us and conform us to the very image of the Son of Glory. Father, we ask this, that we, your people, would be a glorious light and witness to you in this world so desperately in need of the hope that can only be found in Jesus. Father, we pray these things for your glory, and we pray them in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so in Jesus declaring, I am the bread of life, there was a contrast drawn between what Moses did and what Jesus did. Under Moses, we're going to see this, we're going to look at a broader section of scripture that our text is contained in. So we see this, that under Moses, God gave the people manna, bread from heaven. We remember that from the book of Exodus as they wandered in the wilderness. Now here is Jesus declaring to be the true bread from heaven sent by the Father. It was Moses It was to Moses that God revealed his name. So the first time we see God revealing his name is to Moses. So God reveals his name to Moses, and this is the name that Jesus applies to himself in these statements that he makes. So let's talk just a little bit about the name of God. Let's go and look at the scripture in Exodus where that name is first spoken to Moses. So the name was first spoken to Moses by God, recorded for us in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. God speaks his name, reveals his name to Moses as God is instructing Moses to go to Egypt to deliver the children of Israel from the bondage of slavery. Exodus chapter 3. We'll read verses 13 through 15. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, 
this is my memorial to all generations. So I want to be clear. Without a doubt, the Jews understood I am was the unquestioned name of God. And when Jesus declared that name in reference to himself, there was no mistaking that Jesus was saying, I am who I am. I am God. There are two clear examples in the Gospel of John where Jesus declares the name of God in application to himself beyond these seven metaphorical I am statements. The first is in John 8, verse, John chapter 8, verse 58 and 59. The second is in John chapter 18, verses 1 through 6. Both of these instances provide a foundation when we consider these metaphorical I am statements. Statements made by Jesus that reveal Jesus declaring himself to be God. In John 8, 58 and 59, when Jesus said to the Pharisees and to the scribes, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Now, John chapter 8 is a very interesting chapter for a lot of reasons. I would encourage you to read it and pay attention to what Jesus says in this chapter concerning those Pharisees who would not listen to him, who would not hear his word, and he tells them why they won't listen and why they won't hear, because they are of their father, the devil. Well, they were very indignant that Jesus would say that about them, and they say, I only... We only have one father, and that father is God. Abraham is our father. We are not uh, illegitimate children. And Jesus said, well, if God was your father and Abraham was truly your father, you'd, you'd, you'd be able to hear my words. And then Jesus makes this extremely controversial statement to the scribes and the Pharisees, before Abraham was, I am. And that statement was met with such hostility that they took up stones to throw at Jesus with the full intent of killing him for the sin of blasphemy. We see again in John chapter 18, verses 1 through 6. So this setting in John 18, verses 1 through 6, is after the Last Supper, after they've eaten supper together, they depart from the upper room where the supper was uh, served, and they go to the Garden of Gethsemane. These, this is literally hours before Jesus is to be uh, crucified. He's going to be arrested that night. And so they go to the Garden of Gethsemane, and Jesus is there praying. He's with his disciples. Judas has already departed to betray Jesus and so we see in these verses that Jesus is in the garden and Judas leads the soldiers and uh, the religious leaders to where he knew Jesus would be so that they could take Jesus. Well, specifically in verses 5 and 6 of John 18, Jesus responds to the soldiers. It's dark and they're looking for Jesus. And he responds to the soldiers and those brought by Judas to arrest him by declaring, in your Bible it says, I am he. But if you'll notice, if you've got a King James or a New King James, that word he is, in, is italicized. Because in the original record, 
what Jesus actually says is, I am. So we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, and Jesus responds, I am. Now, the he there is implied. I am he. And he was answering, I am he. But he doesn't say, I am he. He says, I am. And then the scripture reveals to us, the scripture tells us that when Jesus said, I am, when he uttered the name of God, the power and the authority of that name caused the men coming to take Jesus, the Bible says, to draw back and fall to the ground. So it's like when Jesus says, I am, they fall back and they fall to the ground. Now, I believe Jesus was purposeful here so that there would be no mistake that he was not being taken against his will. He was indeed going to willfully go with them because it was his will and it was the will of the Father. Jesus went willingly to fulfill the preordained purpose of the Father, which was that he would be murdered at the hands of angry sinners. So in these two instances, Jesus utters the name of God. Before Abraham was, I am. There's no mistaking what he was saying. And when he says, I am, to those men coming to get him in the garden at the dark of night, they fall down to the ground at the utterance of that name. Now, in John chapter 6, verses 22 through 66, if we want to really get the context of what's happening here, it's in these verses that we get the full context of the declaration made by Jesus, I am the bread of life. And our verse, our text today, is pulled from this greater context. I believe it's worth going through these verses in somewhat larger chunks to gain that greater context. So in John 6.22, it begins with these words, on the following day. On the following day, following what? Well, following the day before when Jesus had fed the 5,000. So the day before, a great miracle takes place. John chapter 6, verse 22 is the day after that miracle, on the following day. When the people who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other boat there, because remember, after Jesus does the miracle of feeding the 5,000, his disciples get in the boat and they go to the other side. Jesus doesn't go with them. This is when Jesus walks on the water, because there's a storm well, they eventually make it to the other side, and of course, Jesus goes to the other side with them. But the people did notice that Jesus didn't get in the boat with his disciples, so they asked this question, how did you get here, basically? Verse 24 says, when the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got in boats and came to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. So they're looking for Jesus because they knew what Jesus did the day before. Either they heard or they witnessed and experienced. And when they had found him on the other side, verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, 
but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Now, Jesus hasn't said yet, I am the bread of life. But he had just given them real bread, I mean like loaves of bread and fishes the day before. And he tells them, you're not here because you saw the signs. You're here because you ate of the loaves and were filled. What were the signs? Why were the signs important? Well, the signs were the signs that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, the Messiah. And he says, you're not here for the signs. You're not here because of the signs. You're here because you ate the loaves and were filled. And then he gives them what I would say is a warning. Don't labor for food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life. Now, if we're not really paying attention to what Jesus is saying, if we're not discerning spiritually what he's saying, we might, we might be confused about what he's saying. Is he saying we shouldn't work so that we can eat? No, that's not what he's saying. He says don't labor for the food that perishes. They expended a lot of energy to get from one side of that sea to the other side of that sea to find Jesus. And Jesus said, you didn't come here because of the signs. You came here because of the loaves and the fishes. Don't labor for that food that perishes, but for the food that, which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal on him. So on the following day, after Jesus miraculously feeds 5,000 plus people, as recorded for us in John 6, we see that the people found him on the other side of the sea when they came to Capernaum. Some had witnessed the miracle of the feeding. No doubt others had heard about the miracle, but they came to Jesus there at Capernaum. And Jesus points out because they ate of the loaves and the fishes, not because they saw the signs, they came to him. They searched him out. They sought for him. Jesus is pointing out a motive for following him that is not right. They were led by their flesh, not by their spirit. They were seeking to satisfy their flesh, not necessarily to satisfy their spirit. Maybe they could perceive and discern their fleshly hunger, but they could not discern their spiritual starvation. Jesus tells them with all certainty that they should not labor for the food which perishes, but for food which endures to everlasting life. This is the food Jesus was sent to give them. The same is true for us today. Then in verses 28 through 33, then Jesus said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? This is a question they're asking Jesus. Sounds like a reasonable question, right? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. Therefore they said to him, pay attention here, 
What sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe in you? What day is this after the feeding of the 5,000? One day. Were they witness to that? Yes, they were because Jesus says, you didn't come for the signs, you came because you were filled with the loaves. Implying that those people that were standing in front of them, at least many of them, had eaten the bread the day before. So they were party to the miracle that Jesus did. But listen to what they're saying here. Listen to what they're asking of Jesus. Therefore they said to him, verse 30, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe in you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Are you perceiving what's happening here? Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you, listen, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus still has not made the declaration, but he's getting really close to declaring exactly who he is. So listen to this. Think about this. The people were aware of the miracle that Jesus did the day before in feeding the 5,000. They remind Jesus that their fathers ate manna in the desert, that Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat, not just for one day, but for many years. Six days a week for many years. And in that miracle of the manna, God even made provision for the Sabbath so they wouldn't have to go out and gather it. So they're reminding Jesus of this because they're expecting something greater than what Jesus did the day before. Oh yeah, you fed 5,000 Jesus in one day, but... You know, Moses gave our fathers bread from the wilderness. And they ate manna for years, six days a week. Uh, what sign are you going to show us that we might believe in you? Because that thing you did yesterday, that's nothing compared to what God did for our fathers. And if you're to be the prophet, if you're the guy we're thinking you're claiming to be, that prophet Moses spoke of, then you're going to have to do something better than what Moses did. If we're going to believe in you, Jesus. The question from the people, what sign will you perform? What work will you do is clearly implying what you did yesterday is not enough. Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, he is... He is emphasizing this to them. Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven. He's not disputing that God gave them manna and that he did it under Moses' leadership. What he's saying to them is that manna that your fathers ate is not exactly what you might be thinking that it was. That manna your fathers ate only spoke of what was to come. The true bread your father desires to give you. 
Moses did not give you the bread from heaven. The further emphasis that the manna was indeed bread from heaven, but it was not the bread from heaven. It was bread from heaven, but it was not the true bread sent by the Father. That manna that the fathers ate could only point to that true bread. But now Jesus tells them the Father gives the true bread from heaven. Jesus is that true bread. He was standing and speaking right before their eyes, and they could not and would not see him. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Thus the declaration of Jesus, I am the bread of life. Verses 34 through 40. Then Jesus said to them, Lord... Give us this bread. Or the people said to Jesus, Lord, give us this bread always. Oh, bread? True bread from heaven? Yeah, that's the bread we want. Lord, give us this bread always. Bread that leads to life? Yes, this is the bread we want. Give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. You want that bread? I am that bread. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that all of all he has given me I should lose nothing but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise it up the last day. Remember, Jesus said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him. Now, he's, he's referencing back to verse 29. What? How can we do the works of God? What are the works of God that we may do them? And Jesus said, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. Well, who will believe? Jesus says, all that the Father gives to him will believe. All that the Father gives to Jesus will come to Jesus, and he will not cast out the one who comes to him. Jesus came to do the will of the Father who sent him. And this is the will of the Father, that of all he has given to Jesus, none shall be lost. But all who will, but all will who, I'm sorry, but all who are his will be raised up at the last day. None will be lost and all will be raised up in the last day. Jesus reconfirms this again in verse 40 that we just read, or that we're just about to read. So Jesus is saying that all that the Father brings to me, those I will take, I will not lose one, and I will raise them all up on the last day. And we might think, well, what does this have to do with bread? What does this have to do with Jesus being the bread of life? Why does Jesus launch from bread to 
this thing about the Father drawing them and the Father giving them and those that the Father draws and those that the Father gives to the Son, none will be lost and all will be raised up. And it wasn't lost on the Jews that Jesus made this declaration, I am the bread of life. Because in verse 41, the Jews then complained about him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And verse 42 tells us why they complained. He's in Capernaum. This is his home base during his ministry years. So the people in that region are, are familiar with Jesus. They know who, where Jesus came from. In other words, they know who his parents are. And it says in, chap, in verse 42, And they said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? Is, this, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph? Notice what's being recorded here. Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know. Oh, yeah, we know Joseph and Mary. Isn't this their son? And what does he mean, I am the bread which came down from heaven? He's from Nazareth. He's got poor parents, common people. What's he talking about? How is it then he says, I have come down from heaven? He didn't come down from heaven. He came from Nazareth. He was born in Bethlehem. He didn't come from heaven. This disclosure with Jesus is taking place in the synagogue in Capernaum. It tells us at the end of this section of Scripture. Jesus comes. He's in the synagogue, and he's, he's making these declarations to the people assembled in the synagogue in Capernaum. The people are resistant because they know Jesus as the son of Joseph and Mary, but they do not know him as the son of God, as their Messiah. For many, even the miracle of feeding the 5,000 did not persuade them to look past their reasons for suppressing the truth and unrighteousness. This is what we do. These are not ignorant people. These are rebellious people. The, the people that that we proclaim the gospel to every day in word and deed are not ignorant people, they're rebellious people. The people who need Jesus, the people who need a Savior are not in need because they're ignorant. They're in need because they're rebellious. How do we know that? Because that's what the Bible teaches us. Paul said they suppress the truth in unrighteousness. But what will the truth do for them? Well, Jesus said the truth will make them free. It'll set them free. And so here in this discourse, these people are aware of the miracle, but there's something that they can't get past. This is Jesus, the son of Joseph. We know Joseph. We know Mary. How can this Jesus come down from heaven? What is he talking about? We think today if people could only see a miracle, they would believe. How many times have you said that? How many times have I said that? How many times have we heard other people say that? If they could only see a miracle, they would believe. Really? 
We have countless examples throughout the scripture of God doing miracle after miracle after miracle. And guess what his people still do? They still disbelieve. They still reject him. They still rebel against him. They still forget. And even when Jesus does the miracle and they don't forget, they say, well, yeah, I know you did that yesterday, but that's not good enough. Because thousands of years ago, here's what Moses did. You got to do better than that, Jesus, if you want us to believe in you. It's not miracles. That's a romanticized notion that we have. It's not miracles God gives that causes men to believe. It is faith that God gives that causes men to believe. Both miracles and faith come from God, but miracles without faith will never change a heart. And we see this in this record of Scripture constantly. People witness miracles, they participate in miracles, but they have no faith and they're not changed, and they're still rebelling against God. We cannot give people miracles, and we cannot give people faith. Only God can do that. And this is why some men cannot see the miracles all around them, and they never believe. Do you believe that? Do you believe there are miracles all around you? Just look at yourself. Well, you can't see yourself because you don't have a mirror. But look at the person next to you. And when you look at the person next to you, guess what you're seeing? You're seeing a miracle. We are miracles. Miracles are all around us. And we cannot see them if we don't have faith. And if we don't have faith, those miracles will never change us. And we will never believe. Because of miracles, we can only believe through faith. Others can see the same miracles. Others can see the very same miracles all around them, and they believe. Yes, God can use miracles to bring men to faith. Your life itself is a miracle. But it's not the gift of miracles. It's the gift of faith that causes men to believe. It is not miracles that draw men to Jesus. It is the Father himself that must draw us to trust in Jesus. How do you know that, Pastor Jeff? Because that's what Jesus just said. And it's what he's going to continue to say in these verses we're reading right now. Verses 43 through 51. Jesus therefore answered and said to them, do not murmur among yourselves. So get the picture. It's kind of like a setting like this. They're in a synagogue. Jesus is saying these things, and then people start saying to one another, isn't that, isn't that Jesus, the son of Joseph and Mary? Why is he saying he came down from heaven? They're murmuring. They're complaining. What's he talking about? He sounds crazy. Why is he saying the things he's saying? Who is it? Who does this guy think that he is? This murmuring, this complaining is taking place while Jesus is addressing the people. And he answered and said to them, do not murmur among yourselves. In other words, be quiet and listen. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up at that last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. 
Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. Here it is again. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. You do realize Jesus is not trying to be polite and politically correct and delicately delicately tiptoe around so as not to step on anyone's toes. Uh, He's full on stomping on toes right here. Yes, your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they are dead. Is that the miracle you want to look to? Or do you want to look to something different? Is that the bread you want, or do you want the true bread that will give you life forever? This is, he goes on in verse 50, this is the bread which comes down from heaven. That one may eat of it and not die. I am, again, he declares it, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. So Jesus rebukes them for complaining, saying, do not murmur among yourselves. That's what that word murmur means. It means to complain. They were complaining, much like the children of Israel did when they came out of Egypt. Having seen all the miracles that God did, they immediately began to complain. It's our human sinful nature. They are complaining because Jesus is saying things that they refuse to believe. How could this Jesus be the son of Joseph and Mary? How could this Jesus claim to have come down from heaven? They would not believe because they would not hear and learn from the Father. Therefore, they would not come to Jesus. Jesus put faith, Jesus puts faith in him squarely on the Father who sent him. The words of Jesus are hard to misinterpret here. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. God can use all kinds of means to draw men, but unless the Father is drawing, that means that men may choose to use, those means that men may choose to employ will profit nothing. I'm not saying they might, they, they, they won't draw a crowd. I'm saying the means that men may use to draw a crowd will profit nothing. The means that God has chosen for us to use is the gospel. Why? For it is the gospel that is the power of God, the salvation to all who believe. Jesus does not dispute that their fathers ate manna in the wilderness, but he reminds them that they ate manna and they are dead. And then declares that anyone who eats the bread of God, the bread that came down from heaven, he will live forever. What is the bread that Jesus shall give? The answer shocked those hearing. And if you think Jesus has been controversial up to this point, he's fixing to really, really get controversial. What is that bread? Jesus said, the bread that I shall give is my flesh 
which I shall give for the life of the world. Verse 53. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead, he who eats this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. So Jesus is in the synagogue. Or we might say it like this. Jesus is in the church. Declaring these extremely, and that's an understatement, these extremely controversial things. You notice that Jesus isn't trying to just like pass over this really quick so that maybe they'll miss it and not get offended. If I say this really fast, then maybe they won't really hear what I'm saying. That's not what Jesus did. He not only didn't say it really fast in a way that they could possibly miss it, he just doubles down, then doubles down again, then doubles down again, and then keeps doubling down. Like, you are hearing what I'm saying, right? Oh, they heard. It was unmistakable that they heard. Because the things that Jesus was saying were completely unthinkable things to get up in the synagogue and say, particularly to a bunch of Jews. Eat my flesh, drink my blood? Mm -mm. Jesus obviously needs to go to a few more church growth seminars (laughs) so that he can really understand what he's doing here. Most assuredly, pay attention now, people. Truly, truly, I'm going to tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Then he doubles down again, as if he's not offended the crowd enough yet, saying, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up the last day. For my flesh truly is food. And my blood truly is drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. Jesus is making it 
crystal clear that he is the bread which came down from heaven. Not the bread they were expecting, not the bread they would have been looking for, just like he was not the Messiah they were expecting. He was not the Messiah they were looking for. Oh, they were looking for a Messiah, but not one like him. They all wanted bread, but not the bread he's describing here. These things he said... And he said them on purpose. I think it's pretty clear. So Jesus is making it clear here that he is the bread of life, the true bread, the living bread sent down from the Father. And he says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life, no life in me. And if you want to have life in me the way I have life in the Father, then you must feed on me as I feed on the Father. What was the result of all of this? Well, verse 60. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? And when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, He said to them, does this offend you? As if he didn't know that it did. Surely he knew it did. What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my father. From that time, listen to this, verse 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. After many of the people who were his disciples heard these words of Jesus, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? It goes on to tell us that Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this. And they were offended by his words. And they were probably offended for multiple reasons. If his disciples, and we know that they were, We know part of the motivation of Judas, he was the son of perdition. But he wanted Jesus to be the Messiah who would overthrow the Romans. And there were other of of his disciples who wanted Jesus to be the Messiah that would overthrow the Romans. And they wanted Jesus to have a large following. And so the offense here was not just a personal offense that they would eat the flesh and drink the blood. But the offense here was also, Jesus, what are you doing? What are you saying? You're driving all of these people away. And sure enough, he did. Jesus knew that they were offended by his words. He knew some did not believe Yet we do not see Jesus pleading with them, trying to convince them to believe or apologizing for the misunderstanding about what he really meant in his teaching. 
What we do see is Jesus once again affirming what he had already said. Therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. They didn't come to Jesus because they loved his pleasing words. They came to Jesus because they were drawn to him by the Father. What was the result of such an inspiring sermon by Jesus? Not what all the church growth experts are selling today? No, indeed. This is the result of the greatest teacher, the greatest orator to ever grace planet Earth from one of his greatest sermons ever delivered, ever preached. From that time, here's the result, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. It almost seems that was the result Jesus was looking for. I would submit to you not almost, it was. Jesus was focused on those the Father had drawn to him. His teaching of truth had a way of weeding out those who had no love for the truth, but instead loved to have their flesh fed. Jesus spoke the truth to expose the false motives people had for following him, and he does it still today. Many follow Jesus not because they see the evidence that he is the Messiah, the signs that declare who he truly is, but they follow because they ate of the loaves and were filled. We see more strategies in the church today that equate, that equate to loaves and fishes and feeding the flesh than we do to feeding our spirit and telling the truth even when it hurts. If we believe Jesus was a savior that never offended anyone, never said a hard word, never said hard things that made people complain and murmur, never said or did anything that people could misconstrue or misunderstand, then we do not know the Jesus and the savior of the scripture. And I'm going to tell you, there are a lot of people today who do not know the Jesus of the scripture. They think they know Jesus, but the Jesus they think they know and they profess to know is not the Jesus of the Scripture. We have an obligation if we love God and we love our enemies. If we love people, we have an obligation to tell them the truth even, even if it hurts. The church must return to preaching and teaching and proclaiming the Jesus of Scripture who loves the world so much that he is more than willing to risk offending men in order to save them. He was willing to risk offending them to the point that they murdered him. That's how much he loved. He loved enough to be murdered by the people he loved. Jesus is the bread of life. May we eat his flesh and drink his blood and so live forever? Yes, you may. That is the bread that God has brought down from heaven. This is Jesus Christ. He invites you to come and to eat. This is why every week we come to this table to eat bread and drink wine, to sit and sup and dine with Jesus, with the Father at his table. And we dine in peace because of the work that Jesus has done, he bought for us that peace with his very blood and his very body nailed to that cross.
Jesus is the bread of life. So may we eat that flesh and drink that blood and so live forever. That's good news, church. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand for your charge and your commission. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Making this proclamation very shortly after he miraculously fed more than 5,000 people. In all of his metaphorical I am statements, we see the pattern throughout where Jesus proclaims who he is and then backs it up with what he does. The words of Jesus and the works of Jesus always reinforce one another. What Jesus said was never at odds with what Jesus did or who Jesus is. So it is to be with the followers of Jesus. That means you, and that means me. In Christ, your words are to be consistent with your works. We all fall short for, for far too often. We all fall short far too often. I really can't say that enough. Because it's true for us all. But we thank the Lord for his mercy and his grace. For God keeps his covenant. He pours out grace upon grace. His mercies are new every morning and all undeserved and all because of Christ. His all-sufficient grace is working in you, molding and shaping and sanctifying you through the renewing work of his spirit and his word. And through the ministry of the word, he equips you. And by the indwelling work of the spirit, he empowers you. He commands you to go forth in his name with his gospel to do his will, to make him known and to make disciples. All of this in the context of your normal, everyday life, gifted to you by God. If you are filled with the Spirit, your life and your words will not be empty, but fulfilled through your works. If the witness of your words does not work, does not match your works, then your words mean nothing to those who hear and those who see. Like Jesus, your words and actions will be misconstrued and mischaracterized if you are speaking and doing the words and the works of Jesus. Not by those drawn to Christ by the Father, but by those still rejecting him as the true bread from heaven. Jesus is the bread of life. The true bread from heaven sent by the Father. His flesh is food. His blood is drink. Let us not be ashamed to partake of him and so be conformed to his life, even at the certain risk of being rejected by the world. Amen. Let's sing our thanks. Praise God from
Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. The Lord be with you.